God's people said, Amen. For such a time as this is a verse God spoke to me about and from recently. Intentional for such a time as this. What are we going to do? We have to draw nigh to God. We have to make the most of this moment, this opportunity that God has given. I like to read biographies. I'm challenged by what God has done in other people's lives. And I read a biographical sketch of a J.M. Carroll recently, born in January of 1852. He's known for his booklet, The Trail of Blood, and yet also for many other things because of his great application of himself to what God had called him to do. The Fort Worth Star newspaper called him the best informed man in the state on Baptist history. He was one of six sons. In his early days, he was known as a famous hunter, uh, having uh, reported over a thousand deer killed in his uh, exploits, considered one of the best shots in the state. In his older years, his favorite hobby was bird watching. Now, this was on the side, in addition to preaching and studying and praying and serving the Lord. I want you to see he had a well-rounded life. He graduated from Baylor University with honors in 1878. He would serve as president of both Oklahoma Baptist University and Howard Payne College and help establish San Marcos Baptist Academy in Texas and Carroll Women's College in McAllen. He pastored Baptist churches throughout Texas and uh, so many things, authoring books and resources on the eternal security and salvation of the believer. At his death, one editor wrote, Dr. Carroll was one of the best and most useful men we have ever known. Think of that. He was versatile along many lines. He was a preacher, preeminent in the field of history, a champion of Christian education, and above all, he was a pure-souled Christian who gave his best, first and last, to the kingdom of God. And I want to ask you, what are you giving to God today? Are you willing to broaden your horizons and seek God for what he can accomplish yet in your life? I think some of us, if we're not careful, we're just bored. We're bored with life. One writer said, sin is what you do when you become bored with God. No new adventures, no new pursuits, no depth of faith being developed. Uh, been there. I kind of know all that. It's a surface type of life. And then we think, well, nothing yet to pursue much there. Let me find something else that interests me. And I want to challenge us today to broaden our horizons, to not get sidetracked, to not think in some way we can look back or go back. The past is behind us. There is but one direction for the sincere child of God, and that is forward. God wants us to press on. 
there's so much ahead yet for what God has saved us for. To lay hold of, to realize, to become. With that in mind, I want you to take your Bibles and stand as we turn to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. Stand with me, please. We're going to read verse 1. And I want you to think about this theme of going on towards spiritual maturity. Going on to spiritual maturity. Let's read it aloud together. Hebrews 6 and verse 1. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Now, I want you to underline that expression there, let us go on. The word perfection here has the thought of Christian maturity, depth, just ever exploring the Word of God, the mind of God, the heart of God. All of that's revealed in His Word for us that has been given. And God wants us to go forward. He wants us to go on to spiritual maturity and Christ-likeness. Thank you. You may be seated. I want you to write these down, if you will, number one. Let us go on towards spiritual maturity because the foundation of faith is already laid, verses 8, 1 through 8. He's saying don't go back for the Old Testament rituals here, you'll see, and don't go back and think that you can be saved again or need to be saved again because the foundation of faith is already laid. If you have tasted the good word of God, if you have been saved, if you've turned aside for a moment, you don't need to get saved all over again. You just need to get right with God and go on to maturity. Some people thought, well, you get saved, you lose your salvation, you get saved, you run well for a while, you turn aside, and you need to get saved all over again. And in these verses here, he's saying that you don't need to get saved all over again. If you've ever trusted Christ as your Savior, you are saved eternally. By grace, through faith, not of yourselves, not of works, lest any man should boast, you are saved forever by the good grace of God and kept by His power. Don't go back and try to think, well, I just need to get saved again. I thought that as a young boy, I was taught that, that if you get upset and get mad and get in a fight with your brother, which I did every week, if not almost every day, I would have to go back to the altar the following Sunday and get saved again. And in my mind, I did. I went forward Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. Lord, me and Terry got in a fight again this week, and I'm lost. And I, I knew he was lost. And I was kind of glad about that, to be honest with you, for a little while there. So I wasn't praying for Terry. I was praying for myself. I said, Lord, I need to be saved again. And then God taught me as I began to study this passage of Scripture. Christ can't be crucified all over again. No need for him to be put to open shame as though his death was not good enough or once for all. It was not sufficient. No, Christ died once for all, for you and for me. The Bible says the last part of verse 6, they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to open shame. 
You don't need to go back and get saved all over again. Jesus doesn't need to go back and die for sin all over again. You need to go on to maturity. You need to grow in grace and knowledge. You need to leave these first principles, the doctrine of Christ here, meaning these foundational principles, and grow in grace and knowledge and go from the milk of God's Word to the meat of God's Word. Go on towards spiritual maturity because the foundation of faith is already laid. You know what God taught me? God taught me that if I was the one who had to keep myself saved, then in the end, I was my own Savior and not Jesus Christ. And when God opened my eyes and showed me that, I thought, no, I'm not my own Savior. I cannot save myself. I cannot keep myself saved. And I learned from the Word of God that I am not only saved by grace, saved by the power of God, but I am kept by the power of God. It's God that does the saving and God that does the keeping. I'm glad for that today, aren't you? Think about that. Go on to spiritual maturity because the foundation of faith is already laid. If you're saved, you're saved. Make sure that you're in Christ and Christ is in you. Examine yourselves and see if you're in the faith. Put your profession of faith up against the Word of God and see what God says and say, Lord, show me. Am I saved? Am I truly, truly your child? Look with me. Back in chapter number 2, I want you to see a verse here. Hebrews chapter 2. It's a powerful passage <clears throat> because some people, they think they're saved and they're not. But then some people are saved, but they get confused because they're careless. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 3, How shall we escape if we what? Neglect, underline that word, neglect so great salvation. The word neglect here means to become careless with. Some people, the reason you, you, you doubt your salvation is because you're not going on for God. You become careless with the things of God. And so you say, well, I, I don't know if I'm saved. Uh, sometimes I think I am. Sometimes I think I'm not. And sometimes I feel saved. Sometimes I don't feel saved. Friend, it's not a feeling. Salvation is not something you feel as a validation, as an assurance, although you do feel the presence of God when you know the Lord at times, and as one mountain preacher said, it's better felt than telt. Isn't that right? Thank God you can feel the presence of God, but sometimes you don't feel the presence of God. What do you do then? You take God at His word. That's what I learned that faith is. Faith is just simply saying, I know what I'm thinking. I know what I'm feeling right now. I don't feel saved. I, I, I don't even feel like God is anywhere to be found in my life. But I'm going to go back to the Bible, and the Bible says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Well, I'm going to take God at his word. That's what faith is. God said, he's not going anywhere. He's with me. He's staying put. And so I just trust God and take him at his word and by faith rise up and continue on. 
God is saying, go on, because the foundation of your faith is already laid. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, believing he died for you and rose again, then you are his and he is yours. You don't need to go back and get saved again. What you need to do is just simply get right with God and say, Lord, help me to go forward in faith and walk in the light of your word. Go on towards spiritual maturity, number two, because salvation is a starting point, not an ending point. Look back in our text here, chapter 6 and verse 9. But, beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that, what? Accompany salvation. Once you get saved, that's a starting point. It's not like, well, I'm saved. I'm not going to read my Bible. I'm not going to go to church. I'm just going to heaven one day, and that's all that I'm concerned about. Oh, listen, Fred, it's, it's a tragedy to have a lost soul. That's the greatest tragedy. But the next of that is to have a lost. Think about it. Have a lost soul, the greatest tragedy, and the next of that is to have a lost life. You know what God does? He saves us for eternity, but he develops us and matures our faith so that our life here might count and have peace and purpose and meaning. There's a lot of people who have a saved soul, but they have a lost life. What about you? What are you going to do with your life? God didn't save you just to take you to heaven. He saved you so that you might be conformed into the image of His Son, that you might grow in grace and knowledge, that you might know and do His will for your life, that you might have His peace, that you might have His purpose. I'm glad to know that God has given me His purpose for my life. And I'm just so thankful to have this opportunity to serve the Lord. God wants us to know that salvation is not an ending point, it's a starting point. Things that accompany salvation. Now, those are some of the things I'm going to talk to you about tonight. First things first, our theme for this year. Things that accompany salvation. A championship ball team, they basically master the basics. That's what they do over and over and over again. Oftentimes we think, well, we know how to shoot. We know how to rebound. We know all that stuff. Let's just kind of uh, uh, play ball here. Let, let, let's just uh, run through the plays. Why run through the plays if you don't know how to dribble that well? Have you ever seen some of these kids? I saw a video the other day of, of a, I, I mean, just a little fellow. He was walking down the court, driven the ball between his legs like this the whole way, and then scouting it out and pointing the players where to go and all this kind of stuff. And I mean, he was hitting just about everything he shot. And I thought, there's a kid that's been working on the basics for a long, long time, right? We think so many times, yeah, we know all that stuff. I think that's where some of us are if we're not careful spiritually. Yeah, we, see, we know all that. But to be honest with you, we're, we're not growing. We're not going deeper. We're kind of bored. Uh, that, that's why we're so distracted by everything else. As I mentioned recently, someone said that if we're not careful, social media has its place. It, it even has such a positive potential. 
but it also has a negative potential. And if you're not careful, you're going to have to be honest with yourself and assess and say, maybe I'm so caught up in that, so much so because I'm so dissatisfied and bored with my life, with reality. And I'm always looking for an escape. I live to escape my day-to-day life. God doesn't want you to live that way. You don't have to live that way. Your life can be full to overflowing. God says there's so many more things that accompany salvation. Oh, he wants us to go on and realize that this is a starting point. As we think about it, look in chapter 4, the last part of verse 14, the Bible says, let us hold fast our profession. Verse 16, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. Think about these words, let us. God is saying, this is what I want you to see. Let us go on. Look with me over in chapter number 10, Hebrews chapter 10. Now God had warned his people there was a danger of drifting in chapter 2, neglecting so great a salvation, a danger of doubting in chapter 4, a danger of becoming dull of hearing in chapter 5, and then a danger of despising here in chapter 10. They would resist the word of the Lord. They would resent it in their heart and then they'd rebel against it. And God says, now be careful because God has a heart for you. He wants to bless you. He has saved you. If he's given you his son, Romans 8 says, is there anything that you really need that he won't give you? He'll freely give you all things that you need to live this victorious life. So the Bible says in verse 22 of Hebrews 10, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Verse 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Verse 24, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Think about this. God is saying to us, take heart, take hold of what I've done for you. I have put things in your life, things that accompany salvation that will bring you blessing and reassurance. Oh, as we gather together here, we're encouraged in verse 24 to consider. That means to take note, to observe, to be conscious of others and their needs. We're to stir up, provoke love and good works in one another. What do you bring out of others? What do you stir up in them? When people get around you, do they love God more as a result of interacting with you? Or do they doubt God? When people interact with you, do they love others more? Do they pray for others more? I remember one day years ago seeing a a pastor's daughter somewhere. And I knew a little bit of that background. And I knew that she was breaking his heart. And right then and there, I prayed for that young lady. And I prayed for her mom and dad. I want to tell you, some of the people we look at, we don't know how the love they are by others and how others are praying for them. That's why we shouldn't look at, I could look at them and say, tell you that girl, living life she's living It ain't right. I'm telling you, it ain't right. God help us. Deliver us. For the judgments we meet out on everyone else, what if someone looked at us and said, you know, it ain't right. It ain't right. Your attitude. 
your effort or lack thereof. That ain't right. Well, what if people pointed out our faults and flaws with that kind of spirit? By the way, we all have them. Isn't that right? And if you think you don't, then you're in worse shape. <laughs> then you realize, may God open each of our eyes. Provoke one another to love and to good works. Will people serve God more because they're around you or, or hesitate and step back and maybe serve God less? Well, I don't know. I don't know about this thing. I will tell you, we have an adversary that wants to do everything he can to discourage the people of God, to cause us to lose heart. I would hate to think I'm going to meet God one day and I actually turn someone who had a true heart aside. I was a stumbling block. I was someone that caused them to trip up. You did run well. Who did hinder you, Paul said, to the church of Galatia? Somebody got to you. Somebody got your ear. And when you give them your ear, you give them your heart. And no wonder Solomon said, Son, give me thine heart. My heart is given to God. Listen, don't give your heart to someone who has not given his or her heart to God. Especially in all of life. But young people, when you think about marrying one day, don't give your heart to someone who hasn't given his or her heart to God. Make sure they have a heart for God. You want to be encouraged to serve the Lord, not discouraged. You want someone to point you to Him, not away from Him. And so he says here, let us go on towards spiritual maturity because the foundation of faith is already laid. Because salvation is a starting point. It's not an ending point. There's so much more leaving those things behind, forgetting the past, pressing toward the mark, for the prize of the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus. All of those things which are before, we lay hold of by faith. Oh, may the Lord help us to reach for them this day. Number three, let us go on towards spiritual maturity because we are assured that God is with us and will do right by us. Look back in Hebrews chapter 6. Verse 10, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. Think of that. Others may, but God will never forget. Unrighteous has the thought of it, it wouldn't be right. See, God always does right. God says it would be wrong for me to forget. It's wrong for us to forget what others have done for us in the name of God. In loving God and serving God, they served us. They served our family. They ministered. It'd be wrong. It'd be wrong to look at that. I don't care. I don't really need that. I want to tell you, God says, I will always do right by you as my child. And I will never forget what you've done. Even a cup of cold water given in Jesus' name, God takes note of. Don't you thank God for that? He says, which you have showed toward his name and that which you have ministered to the saints and do minister, we're still endeavoring to be faithful to serve God and one another. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. Underline that word assurance. That you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Press on with what God has given to do, with that assurance that God is with you 
for you, working on your behalf. All the way through, finish what you start for God because God is not going to stop. God's going to complete in us what He's begun in us. Let's not frustrate that. God is not going to say, this is as far as I go. God goes with us all the way. And sometimes we turn aside because of unbelief, self-will, pride, uh, a desire to, because we have fed and indulged the sin nature to pursue things as such. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, loving things that are temporal more than God, which is eternal. And we go down that path. And sometimes that's why we waver and that's why we worry. That's why we're not assured. God says, I want you to know that I'm with you. I want to tell you, what can you take? What hit can you take and keep going? You say, well, that's kind of a out there question. I don't know. Could it be what hit you this week? But deep down in your heart, you're saying, I don't know about this. Well, I've come this far. Could it be something yet ahead? And you don't even know what is out there, but God does. Could it be something that just hits you and knocks the wind out of you, out of your sails? And you're like, what in the world? Where did this come from? And we can talk about being steadfast and unmovable. That word unmovable there in 1 Corinthians 15 means rooted, established, not going anywhere, but forward for God. In other words, I'm not going to walk out on what God has given me. I'm not going to walk out on what, where God has established me. No wonder he says in Hebrews 10, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. The word forsake there doesn't mean, well, don't miss church here or there for no reason. The word forsake literally means don't abandon don't just walk out on and disappear. It's like, I'm done with this. I'm gone. Unannounced, unknown, I just disappear. Really? God says don't do that. Because you got to realize we have an adversary who goes to and fro as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The word devour literally means to make disappear. You know, some of us, if we're not careful, we're on the verge of just checking out on God. In despair, in the depth of pain. And I would never minimize the depth of pain we face. But in the midst of all of that, there's a God in heaven who says, Listen, there's nowhere to go back. I sat and looked at my dad's grave recently and I thought, Boy, I'd like to go back. I'd like to just talk to my dad for a little bit. But as I sat there and I thought, Well, obviously I can't do that. And I think about it. every day my dad, and by the way, I pulled out of the cemetery at the speed that my dad would have pulled out, 0.2 miles per hour, all right? And I rode down the road that slow for a little while, and I put my hand on the top of the steering wheel like he would always do, in no hurry. He lived down the road three miles from where he worked, up there on the little hill in Rammertown. And so from there to where he worked, and in between was the little uh, church and cemetery and the little general store, the little ball field, and the cattle cell barn. So his life was lived about three miles every day, back and forth, no hurry. 
and have his hand on that steering wheel there and somebody ride by, he'd go. He waved at everybody. That's where I got it from. I drove a school bus in high school. I waved at everybody. Hey, man, what's up? You wave at people now. What in the world? Who is that guy? He's waving at us. I learned that from my dad. Never in a hurry. And I said to myself as I was there, I thought sometimes I long for the days where we had nowhere to go and nothing to do. How many of you ever lived those days? Did any of you ever live that? Maybe in your youth growing up? Nowhere to go. Not a worry in the world. And I thought I missed those days. Then I thought, well, I can't obviously go back. And I thought, my dad's been gone for several years now, about 15 years. And I thought, and I'm going to be gone one of these days. There's nowhere to go but forward. Nowhere. I have to get along with God and take hold of his promise and be reassured that, hey, it's going to be over before I know it, before I realize it. Just take heart, take hold of the promise of God with great courage, confidence, and assurance and rise up again and take another step in faith forward for God. Staying in his word, growing in grace and knowledge, letting Christ be formed in me. That's what the Christian life is. It's one of forward progress, growing daily in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I read about this pilot in 1990. I was flying for the British Airways Flight 5390. They were about 17,000 feet in the air. The windshield came off on his side. And then decompression immediately hit the cockpit and uh, he was partially pulled out. Think about it. About that time, a stewardess was walking in and grabbed him. It was amazing. That high in the air, the co-pilot was trying to scramble, trying to uh, land the plane. So it took him about 20 minutes to land as this stewardess held on to this pilot. Can you imagine? He's pulled back with a force, bent back over the plane. And I mean... This stewardess was holding on for dear life. It was his life that was on the line. As I read this article, I thought it was interesting. As things developed and unfolded, they were able to land. And uh, this pilot, Ogden was his last name, survived this incident, suffering frostbite on his face, damage to one of his eyes, a dislocated shoulder. And the article concluded, said, in a miraculous turn of events, he survived, although he had these injuries. And I thought, wow, some of us, we, we've been hit with something, and sometimes it looks like we, we're just not going to make it. We need to be reminded that there are those who are holding to us in prayer that love us and want us in their lives. And that though we get wounded, hurt, or injured, the fact that we're still here means that God's not finished with us. 
The fact that what killed you did not kill you means that you're alive more now than you've ever been. This killed me, preacher. I mean, it killed me. Cut my heart out. Gutted me. It killed me. But it didn't kill you because you're still here, right? You know what? There's some living to do. There's some serving God to do yet. There's a life that God has ahead for you as his child. Someone said, think of those who will be glad if you don't go on. Dr. Sexton said years ago, and I was amazed, I couldn't understand it. It said, it saddens me to know that there are those who would take great delight in us falling flat on our face here in our church and college. He said, it breaks my heart. Think about those who will be glad if you don't continue and go on for God. If we don't as a church. But then, think of those who will be sad. Broken hearted. Because we did not take hold of God's promise. And rise up in faith. And go on. This is our window of opportunity. It's not going to be open forever. Who knows how much longer even. God wants us to rise up, take hold of his word, and go on for him. Towards spiritual maturity, growing in grace and knowledge each day. And I don't know about you, but he's been working on me a long time. But I'm glad he's still working on me because I need him to. I've got some room for improvement. Who else has room for improvement? Anybody else here today? How many of you know that your neighbor beside you has room for improvement, all right? There you go. We know there's room in, for improvement in all of us. And, and I don't know where you're at today, and I don't know what you're facing, but this, here we are at the end of January already in the new year. In this new year, it'll come and it'll go. May God help us to humble ourselves before him and say, Lord, just show, show us where we go from here. We're willing to walk in the light of your word and do your will, to believe you and trust you, Lord. You know us in our brokenness, in our, our doubts, our misgivings, our faults, our failures, our sins. You know all about us, Lord. And yet that you love us like you do, and you would work in our hearts like you are and draw us unto yourself. Lord, open my heart to you. Broaden your horizons, friend. Life is a gift from God. There's so much you could do yet so much you can discover yet. Don't get distracted and in boredom with the life, the reality that is before you. Think, all I'm going to do is just exist and look for a daily distraction. No, there's so much more to experience for the glory of God. Let's all stand with our heads bowed. You know, the Christian life is such to where it, it won't remain stagnant as it were. You're either going to go forward for God or go back. You're either going to grow in grace or you're going to stunt your growth. And I don't know where a message like this finds you, but I pray the Holy Spirit will speak to your heart. You'll just personalize it and say, Lord, help me. I do want to grow in grace and knowledge. I, I do want to go forward with my life. I want to be a man or a woman of faith and faithfulness. God help me. You just talk to the Lord right now as we close in prayer in just a moment. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, would you trust Him today believing He died for you and rose again? 
God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I've sinned and I'm sorry. Please forgive me and please save me for Christ's sake. God has promised, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved.